0: If you're aware of the way capitalism works, if you believe this system is based on exploitation and an unsustainable use of natural resources, then you can feel the anguish that would lead someone like Ben to flee into the woods to escape this way of life.
1: Welcome to the Redwood Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the 2016 film Captain Fantastic, directed by Matt Ross and starring Viggo Mortensen. Gabo, had you seen this before?
2: I had it seen before, and I just have to say I loved Captain Fantastic. I think one of my really main struggles growing up has been, how do you adjust to a society, to a world that is profoundly unjust? And in Captain Fantastic, I found a beautiful reflection of that because I really felt that this movie wasn't telling me that I need to adjust or that you shouldn't adjust. It was just that like a reflection of people who I related to trying to figure out how to participate in this world and how to do that in a honest and caring way with people that they love, but who they sometimes disagree with. So yeah, for me, it was a deeply personal film because I felt like I related not only the main character who's just beautifully played by Vigo Morrison, but but many of the characters, the older son and even even the grandparents, because I know you're supposed to kind of hate them or maybe you're not, because I, I, at the end, I don't think I did. So yeah, I really loved this film and I'm excited to hear what you guys think. What, what about you, John?
0: So I think as I watched this film, what I thought of was that if you're aware of the way capitalism works... If you believe this system is based on exploitation and an unsustainable use of natural resources, then you can feel the anguish that would lead someone like Viggo, who plays Ben, to flee into the woods to escape this way of life. If I put that another way, and I draw on one of my favorite quotes, if you tremble with indignation at every injustice, then you are a comrade of Ben's. That said, (laughs) throughout the film, at various times, one of Ben's kids will say to him, power to the people. And Ben will respond back with, stick it to the man. So as I watched this film, I thought it was raising a really important question, a question that I think I'm going to come back to over the course of the pod, which is, are you sticking it to the man by fleeing into the woods? Are you really sticking it to the man? And this issue, which we might call a form of left escapism, is something I want to come back to because the film even ends in a way that I think raises questions about how we should cope with this way of life, which is so brutal in so many ways. Yeah,
1: I love it. I I think those are both such interesting comments. I really identified with a lot of the characters in this movie as well and it really made me think it can be a major bummer trying to talk to people when you spend so much time reading Marxist theory, you know, uh, when, when he is trying to talk to those girls outside the <laughs> post office, I, I felt that that's how I feel talking to every new person that I, meet, you know, um, do you award
2: primacy to the class struggle? <laughs> just such a great <laughs> quote. <laughs>
1: But at the same time, I, John, I, I'm with you at the, the whole point of reading all that Marxist theory isn't to sit in the woods, you know, it's it's to tell people about it. And so, yeah, I, I think this movie is a really interesting look at how this particular family chooses to navigate that.
2: Yeah, I think those are the definitely the right questions that this film raises. And it has to be aware of them because of all the references, I think, to Maoism, Trotskyism, Noam Chomsky. But I guess what what I really appreciated about the film was that it wasn't trying very hard to give a concrete answer to that question. I, I know I came into the film thinking, based on what I'd heard of it, that that's what it was going to be. It's going to be like, look at this family who's really sticking it to the man by just going completely off the grid. And I I don't know, to me, this the film's story was a lot more complex than that. I mean spoiler alert, one of the children almost dies on one of the missions at the end. And not not even so much what happens that calls into question the dad's decisions. I think just the way even we see Ben deal with what happens. he's an arrogant person to a certain degree, but I think it's pretty it was pretty cool to see how he himself struggled with the choices that he's made and
0: and him questioning whether this was actually the best way to to live. I want to build on your point, Gabe that it's true that there is a subtle message in the film. But I think we should try to unpack that subtle message and see what the film is trying to tell us. Definitely. Because we're all saying that the film depicts this very intelligent man and his seemingly very well-educated wife. I believe she's a lawyer by training. And so we have these two very well-educated people who are out in the woods drawing on anarchist theory, drawing on radical theories to separate themselves from the as they see the the harm that this capitalist way of life causes. They wanna separate from it and raise their family in an alternative way. But throughout the film, we're receiving messages about the consequences of that. So his children are not very socialized, as evidenced by the way Bo can't even have a conversation, it seems, with somebody outside of the family without stuttering or breaking down. Opposing st- to them. It's shocking how eloquent
1: they are when they're speaking about theory and stuff, academic concepts, intellectual concepts. But then, how when they're speaking to other people, it's it's uh, disastrous, they, right? <laughs> yeah they they can't they can't make a, they sound exactly like me right now, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. So clearly, it's a theme we could talk about, which is the socialization theme, because it seems the director or writer is conveying to us. Vigo's way of life meant his kids aren't going to be socialized. They're not going to be able to interact with others in a healthy way. And then we have this theme of Vigo, rightly or wrongly, but the film implies rightly, blaming himself for his wife's mental health crisis. It's as though if if they would have been on the grid, Vigo may have gotten her, or she would have gotten help sooner than when she received help, and maybe even gotten more regular help in relation to what she needed. Because in the end, she is hospitalized. But Vigo keeps implying that he knew this was too much for her and that ultimately she ends up taking her life. And so there's another message for us to consider, which is it seems the director writer is saying to us, when you choose Vigo's way of life and you have, let's say, a mental health crisis, well, there aren't therapists out there in the woods. So how are you going to find like a therapist? How are you going to take advantage of some of the options that are available to people uh, who are on the grid? So there's that criticism. And then, where does the film ultimately end? Well, it ends with the kids going to school, Vigal buying what looks to be a farm and a home. And it seems he's reintegrating with the grid. That's how the film ends in those last few minutes. That's what we're left to see. And as I watched that, I thought to myself, so is the message here, if you read a lot of Chomsky, if you read a lot of Marxism, if you read a lot of Bakunin and Kropotkin and other anarchists, if you're reading that sort of theory, don't go too far with it. And instead, subscribe to those ideas, but maybe buy yourself a small farm, do the best you can. But is that really sticking it to the man? Is it really sticking it to the man if you have all that knowledge in your head and you integrate back into society and concentrate on taking care of yours, yourself, your family? And because that's where the film ends. And I'm not saying that I'm I'm not offering right now a strong condemnation of the film, because I think the society that we live in is so damaging and so brutal, that if you can manage to take care of just yours, you're, you're doing okay sometimes in this way of life. On the other hand, there's no collective response here to capitalism. There's no collective answer to the problems we all face. And given Vigo's knowledge, given the knowledge that his children possess, these are powerful allies in the struggle against the status quo. But Vigo's initial reaction is escapism. And then the film concludes with, see, Vigo has learned an important lesson here. He should be somewhat integrated into the society. And so is that the lesson that this director, writer writer wants us to walk away with? Know what you know, but don't go too far with it and raise your kids in a healthy way and live a healthy life. That's not exactly a message of resistance. And the reason I'm coming back to this point is because at different points in the film, we do hear our power slogan, power to the people. And we do hear one of the kids say, stick it to the man. So the question is, are you really sticking it to the man when you follow the path where this film ends up taking us? You know, it it really made me
1: think, so the idea that you're bringing up, John, uh, really stood out to me, because I spent the whole movie sort of thinking, these are like extreme versions of back to the landers, mm-hmm. you know, the the back to the land kind of movement that, that I think has a long history in leftist circles. And then it's funny how at the end of the movie, they end up exactly there, right? A much more traditional back to the land approach, like a, a small farm and a little farmhouse, and your kids are still going to school. But we didn't really get to see much of that life. But I really hoped that it actually is much more collective. I think that we assume that living in a rural place means that you can't form community and have collective approaches to this sort of intentional living. But I I hope that you can. We didn't really get to see much of their life, but I do kind of hope that the end is a reference to the fact that they can find more connection and build more community, even if it's in a different way than they might have uh, in another setting. Yeah. I think the
2: reason I maybe saw it a little bit differently than you, John, is I thought that the film was implying that Ben and his partner were doing this temporarily to raise their children. Like One quote that sticks out to me is, our children will be philosophers. That's kind of called into question when the older son presents the college acceptance letters and the dad kind of freaks out. But I think that was more him being inebriated and grieving than really him saying that they were gonna be out there forever. Ultimately, at the end, it was an honest representation of the reality that doing that is very hard. It requires conflict with with loved ones who don't agree with that decision. It requires money. You can't just keep stealing from grocery stores forever. So I, I didn't really take it as the film's message saying, live your ideals, but not too much. It was live your ideals, do your best, but it's hard and it sucks sometimes.
0: I think the wife is conveying that she's ambivalent about them staying out there, but I think Beagle is committed to staying out there. And Vigo conveys he's committed to staying out there throughout the film, and the film even implies that there's a conflict there between the wife and Vigo to the degree that they want to stay out there. I even think Vigo is not that interested in his kid going to Brown, right. or Columbia, yeah, or definitely Yale or Harvard or something. So,
2: oh, definitely, yeah, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant it that the at the at the forefront of their mind wasn't uh, their form of sticking it to the man. In escaping at the forefront of their mind was how can we raise our children in the best way that they are raised with love, love and wisdom. So like the, to, to me it was their primary motivation. Wasn't uh, resistance to, to society. Their primary motivation was that child rearing.
0: Okay. And I guess what I'm saying is that's an individualistic, a family centric decision, right? Yeah, in other words, that's the criticism that I'm raising here at the core of anarchist and Marxist theory is a rejection of, an individualistic family-centric logic. At the core of that theory is that through organization and through the collective, another world can be created. And so I think we are both seeing that the film is depicting people who on a family-centric, I would argue individualistic level, decide to escape the ravages of capitalism by fleeing into the woods.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the message over the course of the film seems to be that Vigo is too rigid, that Vigo has gone too far, And therefore, the film concludes with them having more of an in-between place, sort of like what Davis described, that is, they've returned back to the land, but not to hunting and gathering. They are now farmers. And what I would say to Davis is, I was not implying that you can't find a community of resistance in the countryside or in a rural community. I'm saying the film doesn't show us Vigo and his family finding a community of resistance in the countryside or on the farm. And here I'm actually thinking about uh, the work of Jody Dean, which actually Gabe turned me to, and this quote by her that always stuck out to me, which is, quote, Goldman Sachs doesn't care if you raise chickens, end quote. And I remember when I read that, it really stood out to me because I thought to myself, on the one hand, if I'm going to eat eggs, I would rather eat them in an organic way from one of my neighbors who has chickens. I think it's disgusting the way capitalism treats us, the way it treats the fauna and the flora of the planet. And I don't want any part of that. But at the end of the day, is Jody Dean right? Does Citibank, does Goldman Sachs, do they give a crap if I'm raising my own chickens and getting eggs? No, I don't think that that's a concern to them. But my point is, whether you flee into the woods to become a hunter-gatherer, or whether you flee onto a farm, and your purpose is to just focus on you and your own, does that message make sense to me in relation to who this director and writer really is?
1: it makes me wonder, you know, how many uh, people would you have to have joined together raising chickens before you start bothering Purdue? You know, uh, it, would, it would be a lot. We would need to organize a lot of people. I, I don't know if that can be our standard, even though I, I do know what you mean. It's such a high bar. I wonder if that high a bar means that we're discouraged from taking action basically. I
2: guess to go back to what John said about it being a family-centric movie, I quickly got that and it wasn't watching it for the path to resistance. I, I saw it as a depiction of how people try to like, honestly build and love their families in this world. In that sense, the, I think the film really succeeded at that because to me, this was a vignette almost of many different humans who all have their different ideas of the world uh, and all love each other because they're all in a family and they're all just trying to figure out how to uh, adjust to this world and to each other. It's clear that Vigo isn't a Marxist. So he's not going to be building a collective response to capitalists. That was clear from like, I think the first scene, one of my least favorite quotes of a a movie in which is full of quotes that I love is when he says, Marxists can be just as genocidal as capitalists uh so right away
1: i loved when he when he went into the kid's uh tree house and the kid is like dissected all of these animals you know right and, and you get the feeling he's kind of like an anarcho-primitivist or something yeah you know? yeah but he looks up and there's a picture of pole <laughs> Right. <laughs> that,
2: yeah that's it gets a bit convoluted <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's really giving your kids some freedom in terms of uh what they read and uh what ideas yeah. they yeah, consume yeah. which which I think is probably a good thing even if Pol Pot is not
2: that and I think that's what I appreciated like in, if we're looking at this film and man, man, how do you bring kids into this world if you do how how do you go about raising them one thing that I really appreciated was was that he's clearly this, as you said, David, like a narco-primitivist, but he's encouraging his children to learn about everything. And I think the kid goes from being a Trotskyist to a Maoist to who knows what. I mean, part of it is he's embedding a certain degree of ideology in them, but I also saw him really encouraging intellectual exploration as well.
1: I, I think the film brings up some really interesting questions about the way that having kids means that you are necessarily going to impart ideology, right? You cannot raise children without giving them some sort of ideology. And every parent has to navigate this really complex set of decisions where Ben shows that he's very willing to let them take certain risks or to be exposed to certain things when they're at his sister's house, for example, he says, go ahead and play those video yeah. games because he knows that they're, they're going to be totally overstimulated. They're going to hate it. But at the same time, he is constantly having to make decisions about what he will not allow them to do. Uh, the decision about whether Bo will be able to, will be allowed to attend college is obviously sort of the main example of this, but he is constantly throughout the film not allowing them to do certain things. And so I think it just brings up a really interesting question about how we, how we impart ideology and how it's impossible to remain neutral.
2: Yeah, and in, in my, uh, just I'll let you respond to that, job, but I just want to quickly say, in my household, we are definitely celebrating Michael Parenti Day, not, not <laughs> Noam Chomsky Day. <laughs> Michael Parenti Day is definitely a holiday in my book.
1: I'm going to have to start making a list. I'm going to have
0: to look up what all these people were and start uh, having holidays throughout the year. I think something you guys both brought up with this question of the college acceptance letters, and even when they step into your regular mom-and-pop greasy spoon and Vigo sees the kind of food that his kids would eat, and he says, no way, we're getting out of here. So there's a question here about left rigidity. And I think that's something we could talk about in terms of Vigo's character. But I think this fits with what I'm saying about left escapism. Maybe I need to rearticulate my question for both of you to see where you guys stand on it. Cause I'm, I'm not sure I'm understanding. Cause what I'm saying is this film is a critique of left escapism definitely by the director but it ultimately leads us to a solution that is not about collective action. And yet Vigo is essentially an anarchist. Vigo and his wife are anarchists and anarchists have a long tradition of collective action so that there's no contradiction between being an anarchist and believing in organization and collective action. but that's just not where the film takes us. The film instead takes us from a hunter-gatherer mode of living to a farm way of living. And as we're saying, I believe when Vigo becomes a farmer, I concede that I don't think he's going to be a factory farmer, I don't think he's going to start de-beaking chickens, you know, like on his farm and stuff like that. He's not going to do those things. Sure, he's going to be an organic farmer. But this film ultimately transitions us from a criticism of left escapism to a A more moderate version of left escapism, basically. A socially acceptable version. So then the question is: is this more mainstream acceptable way of challenging capitalism? Is this a radical message for us?
1: It is an example of extreme privilege, really, to just be able to kind of say, I'm going to bail, but I'm not really going to do anything to address the problems that I've identified. And the fact that they don't give us a a more clear picture of what their life looks like once they moved the farm, I think does kind of prevent it from being an extremely radical message or whatever. Even though ultimately, I'm, I'm in agreement with Gabe. To me, Ben was far too extreme in the approach that he took in, at the beginning of the film. I don't think that's the solution. So I, I appreciate that particular critique of the leftist escapism. But then, yeah, I, I think the, the ending is a little dissatisfying considering how effective that critique is through most of the movie.
2: I think for me to answer John's question, I, I do answer it in the affirmative. I think it is a radical film. Now, does that mean that if the film did incorporate into its narrative collective resistance to the system. Uh, Would that make it more radical? Yes, that would make it a better and more radical film, in my opinion. But the reason why the fact that it lacked that didn't take away a whole lot of my appreciation for it is because I do think that values like courage and honesty are super important to people who share our worldview. And I think those things can be contagious. So even if I disagree with a lot of his opinions, I saw someone who was being extremely brutally honest with who he is as a person and trying to live by those values. And ultimately what we need as individuals, even though we need more than an individual response, is that same kind of uh, courage and honesty that him and his children show at various points. I think those things for me are are why it's a, a radical film.
1: Living in this world, it's hard to remain committed to acknowledging and pointing out those problems, you know, because this stuff is all around us all the time. And so I think one of the one of the valuable messages is that we shouldn't allow ourselves to just become numb to it. You know, we we should try and follow his example in some way, in the sense that we we try to live out our values. And one
2: example, just to add to that, that I'm thinking of from the film is, you know, it's living those values, but also not allowing those values to give you a sense of superiority. I think there's times where Ben fails at that, but I think there's times that he succeeds, like he really encourages kids to you know, debate. And one scene in particular I remember is when he's arguing with his in-laws and, you know, he apologizes. He says, I'm sorry. And I think the movie does a good job in depicting that.
1: Although on the other hand, they definitely are superior to those people, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> like Catherine Hahn's family is awful. I don't know if that that supports or-, or... Uh, negates the point you're making, but or no,
2: I don't I don't think it does because I didn't I mean I get what you're saying, but I felt like it would have been very easy from the perspective the director was coming from to really make the in-laws and the grandparents to be a lot worse than what they ended up being. to me, like I really saw a family who loved each other and worked out their differences.
0: There is something going on here though in terms of the way we're seeing this character these characters that we should probably talk about because I think Gabe, you are right that I'm seeing the contrast between let's say the way Vigo and his wife have decided to raise their kids and live in relation to her extended family. I'm seeing a major contrast there where I hear you implying a loving family that can that respects each other and kind of comes together. I mean, let's take a look at the head of her family, the head of the wife's family, which is that character Jack. He is the epitome of bourgeois arrogance. This is a man who ignores his daughter's wishes to have her buried how he wants to see her buried. This is a man who tells her husband, yeah, you can live how you live, but if you come to the funeral, I'm going to have you arrested. I see a family that is far more in contrast to the way Vigo and his wife chose to, you know, their logic of how a family should raise them. So I see see a lot more conflict here.
2: Yeah, I thought that the grandfather was acting in that extreme manner, not because that's who he truly is as a person, but because he really blamed, to a certain extent, Ben for what happened, because he's profoundly
1: concerned about his grandchildren and their safety. But doesn't the movie sort of tell us that Jack is that character? He is the kind of person who has had significant success, he's made a lot of money, and He's the kind of person who is willing to use connections with local politics or whatever to basically strong arm his son in law. Vigo's character wasn't going to be doing anything illegal, yet he was still threatening him with arrest. It seems to me that the movie is making him out to be exactly that kind of character and that his daughter's lifestyle was basically a reaction against him.
0: That's what I saw.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I thought maybe this is too much inference, but I think he did all those things and then bought Ben a farm. Unless there's, I don't know, what do you guys think? How, how did Ben get the land?
0: The, even this is an interesting message on the part of the director, because I know people that are, as the phrase it seems we're using is anarcho-primitive. I know people that are that connected to the land. And those people to this day are really economically struggling because they didn't have the money to buy a farm. They didn't have the money to buy a home. So people I know that live in that way of life, actually my youngest brother lived in that way of life and kind of almost lives in that way of life now. It's hard. A bank's not gonna give someone like that a large loan to buy land, to buy a farm. So I was asking myself in this capitalist way of life, can you really make the decisions that Vigo has made and then turn it around at the end and find the capital to buy land and to buy a home? And to now provide your children with a more integrated way of life? Or are you in trouble now? Because you're not going to have the means to do these things. So Gabe, as you're saying, grandpa helped out. But, you know, that's a big, we're, we're guessing a lot there. We're hypothesizing there quite a bit into the film to, to sort of to get that. So I guess, is it kind of far-fetched that you can go from being a hunter-gatherer to being a farmer in America, given what property costs, what farmlands costs, what a house costs? Is that kind of a far-fetched piece of the film? That's that's generally,
2: Davis, you you responded, but just to be clear, that's generally how I saw it. I know it's a hypothesis, but in my reaction to that ending was Grandpa got them a house.
1: For me, it just goes back to the, the privilege thing I was talking about, because we know from earlier in the film that they were that they had purchased that land that they were living on at the beginning of the film. So they have some amount of money, some decent amount of money to begin with at the point where they decide to go off into the woods, you know, whether they leveraged that into, you know, sold that and and bought the farm with the proceeds or, or whatever. um, It seems to me that the whole adventure is starting with a certain amount of money that the majority of people don't have. True. Can we take this in a really different direction? Because I do want to ask you all a question. And that is, how much do you think the background that the three of us have impacts the way that we see this movie? Because to me, this is a movie that's kind of made for academics in a way. I think going to grad school for me was kind of like choosing to be in Ben's school, you know, <laughs> obviously not the, the nature part of it. But basically, it's a decision to say, I'm going to read a shit ton of stuff on my own and try to learn not just how to repeat stuff, not just how to regurgitate information, but how to synthesize and process and explain huge amounts of complex information. And I think that is a big part of the appeal of this for me is that these children are, they, they don't have a choice in the matter, but they are being put in an amazing position with a skill that very few people have at such a young age which is the ability to eloquently express themselves and form complex thoughts and share those with others even if like we said the social skills are severely lacking
0: you know to answer Davis's question I I feel the film the way the way that you both did because I think every left intellectual should watch this film every left intellectual will feel that Vigo is a comrade Every left individual will feel, as I began this pod with, the frustration one experiences being aware of just how exploitative and brutal this way of life is and the way people just go on and the way it just goes on and on. It just pushes forward, no matter how unsustainable it is, how environmentally unsustainable it is, how inhumane and brutal it is. It just goes forward. And so I feel everything Vigo feels. And I and it makes you want to flee. It makes you want to just escape this and go somewhere and get away from it. And so when I watch this film, of course I, I can not only empathize with Vigo and his family, but I see myself in them. And I think most left intellectuals will identify with Vigo or one of his children. You'll see yourselves in these left characters. And I think that's what makes the film very powerful, fascinating is that I am so connected to the emotions and the desires and the will to create something more humane than what exists, the will to create another world. I really love the film for that reason, and that's why I'm glad we watched it. But I think drawing on actually something Gabe has said before when we talked about Children of Men, that I can love a film, but I still have to step back and try to see what are the messages in the film that actually perpetuate the status quo. Because like all works yeah. of art, you know, as I see films, they have a left in them and they often have a right. And so there are aspects to the film that I think are very left. But when I really think about this film and where it takes us, does this take me toward liberation? And I don't think the film does, but I think it it's a great film. I love the film, but I think it just doesn't take me to... A, a...
2: Yeah. Well, well, I just kind of like how it is Children of Men redo, but it's first. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm the one saying that this, this is more left, and you're the one that's saying more right. So I really appreciate that. Um, because, yeah, I, just to kind of expand on that, because I, I think this is where I don't think it's way off track, like you said, David. I think this is kind of right in the theme of what we've been discussing. I think my background plays so much into why I love this film. And while Part of me totally agrees with what John is saying about the rightest aspects of the film. I think part of why I don't see that is because I don't feel like I have the place to say, Ben's wrong. I don't know what has led Ben to that point. I do know he's a friend. Like John said, he shares the same indignation. And at one point he's wearing a Jesse Jackson shirt. So that, that tells us he was involved in a really important political time in our country, which was the campaign for the Democratic nomination. Politics is hard who you know maybe he was an organizer on that campaign and he had experiences that pushed him in the way that that he ends up being
1: no i i i think that makes total sense i mean being part of the rainbow coalition and watching that get crushed the way that it did maybe that pushes you so towards some individualism or whatever yeah that makes sense to me
2: that's exactly what i what i mean So I'm not, and obviously I'm not nowhere near having kids. I don't know how that, you know, seeing life that you've created, (laughs) how that affects the way you make your decisions in an individualist, a more collective way. What I was thinking about that I do want to mention about this film is I think there's a world, if Ben is in real life, where he was friends with, I think his name is Joseph Buttigieg or Joseph Harris, one of them. You know, this is the, the guy to translate Gramsci into English for the first time, and he's the father of Pete Buttigieg, or the father of Kamala Harris, or now vice president. Both of them maybe took more conventional roots than Ben in their childbearing, and you know their children are now perpetuating the status quo more than anybody.
1: <laughs> well, I guess for me, one of the big reminders of this film, and John, you're so right, Ben is a comrade, I also think there are times where I agree with almost everything Ben is saying and I find him still to be totally insufferable. And I think that's a good reminder when we're organizing and talking to other people that we have to be really careful about how we present ideas because at times he, is, he does have such an air of superiority that I think it really gets in the way of his message that we have to try to meet everybody where they are. Nobody has the exact same experiences as anybody else. And we have to do our best. I mean, it goes back to our, you know, the very point that we made to start the pod, which is just that you can't just remove yourself completely. All of the ideas that we hold so dear, and that I think Ben holds dear as well, rely upon human connection and love and empathy and all of these things. And we can't lose sight of that.
0: I think that's a great way to end the pod right there.
1: Since I've raised the bar so high, I've been, and I, you know, it's been some cool music, but so you haven't heard, you know, Kraut Rock in a long time. When was the last time you heard Japanese jazz? Did you know there was Japanese jazz? You probably thought it was Japanese karaoke. But no, there is Japanese jazz, and one of the hottest Japanese jazz groups is called Pistol Jazz, which is kind of what attracted me to You know, I come across a name like that, I said, come on, i got to listen to these guys' music. Pistol Jazz.
2: Why he's doing that davis you see my comment to you on uh letterbox
1: no <laughs> I, Let
2: see. I i don't think it should be in the pod but it's like such a funny thing that i I was thinking of was that it's the same song yes
1: yeah that's what, that's what that was a reference to <laughs> right right <laughs> it's like one of my i fucking love Step Brothers. i it's like my absolute number one favorite like incredibly stupid movie ever, yeah. you know, and and I definitely think that's one of their best scenes. It, so the fact it, that Catherine Hod was in this and then they're singing, right?
2: That. Oh my god! Oh, it's all coming together. I didn't realize that, that was the same actress. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I mean, that was maybe it should go on the pod. Step Brothers is such a cultural uh, touch point for our generation yeah. that it's hard to imagine that that wasn't intentional. The, I mean that. <laughs> If you look up Step Brothers on YouTube, the first video that comes up is actually that car uh, ride where, where they're singing Sweet Child of Mine. And it's such an awful, dis- dysfunctional, suburban family yeah. that have this family sing that same song years later in a film. I, it, was, it made me laugh when I realized it. <laughs>